podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Talking Cop. We've got another full-time match reaction. It has finished at the Emirates, Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1 for only our second loss of the season. I'm joined this afternoon by Mr. Kev O'Sullivan, who will not have to feign indignity as he did on our last show after the Chelsea match, because not, not a lot of holding your head up high after that one, is there, Kev? No, but you got to, because you just take it on the chin. At the end of the day, you haven't seen signs of this kind of level of performance coming. But it can happen. It's football. And at the end of the day, you're going away from away to a side who's finished third, who are third in the league, set up well, uh, good players, and we got beat by a better side in the day. It happens. You yes, know? We... So you, sometimes you just got to take your hat off and say, yeah. They did what they needed to do better than what we did. And we were beaten by the better side on the day. And you could cry about it and bitch about it and mourn about it and throw the baby out with the bathwater about it. But what's the point? We had all of this kind of shit last year when we were watching games and losing games that we shouldn't have lost against sides who we shouldn't lose to. But going away to the Emirates, any season, you can get turned over. You can lose games. And we were poor. We were really piss poor all over the pitch, one to eleven, including the subs. weren't at it, weren't good enough, and got what we deserved. You know, you come out of it, you just tip your hat, say, "Okay, fair enough." We've been on a run, lost. Time to get on another on another run. There's no other way you can look at it. You have to look at it that way. I'd say if the, if there were signs of this performance coming. You say, yeah, it, it, you know, this has been on the cards. That player, that player, that player has been constantly letting us down for the last three, four, five weeks. And today, today it caught us out. But I haven't seen any of that. You know, we've been in pretty much every game that we've played. We've won the vast majority of games that we've been involved with over the last few months. And today, come a cropper. Hold your hands up, dust yourself down and go again the next game. It happens. Yes, uh, we uh, we have a little bit of enjoying the Schadenfreude in here from Arsenal for Life, who yeah. is in the chat regularly enough. Even after we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, Arsenal for Life was here in the chat, so uh, you get to you get to enjoy your uh, your little giggle this afternoon. And there can be no two ways about it. Arsenal were better in every department of the pitch, to a man, front to back. Uh, Arsenal completely outplayed us and were by far and away the team deserving to get the points that they got. I mean, I would say, if anything, Arsenal probably deserved to score better goals because some of the goals, as we will get onto, were were pretty scrappy. I mean, you take them, obviously, but I feel that the gulf was so large between Arsenal and Liverpool today that they actually deserved to score good, you know, flowing team goals to accentuate their, uh, accentuate their victory as opposed to absolute calamities, uh, that it ended up being. So before we get into things proper, let's take a look at the lineups as we always do. Uh, Liverpool come out, Allison and goal. Trent makes his return to the starting lineup. Gomez at left back again. Van Dijk and Kanate in the middle. 
Midfield three of Gravenberch, McAllister, and Jones because Sabaslai was not fit enough to travel. Seems to have got some reoccurrence of uh, the injury that he had a month or so ago and needs to be assessed further. And Darwin Nunez's foot not good enough to make a start. He goes to the bench and we go for the first time ever with the starting front three of Diogo Jada, Cody Gakpo, Luis Diaz. Uh, and the big note is that the lesser spotted Tiago Alcantara makes his first appearance for Liverpool on the bench and ends up coming onto the pitch, which I will hold my hands up and say, I did not think we were going to see this year, but I was, I was pretty confident. I was pretty confident at 11. I I felt that we had enough there to go out and take the game to Arsenal and build off of the performance that we saw against Chelsea, which was five-star spectacular. It felt like there's just enough changes in the team. We bring Trent back in. Gravenberch gets the start on the right-hand side. Freshen up that front three, bringing Gakpo in from the start. I was feeling good going into the game, and we. Yeah, no, I, I looked at that starting eleven. I said, yeah, okay, fair enough. And I looked at the bench. I was like, okay, there's three you can look at and say, yeah, there's three players that can come off the bench and affect the game. I looked at their starting eleven. I thought, yeah, okay. Havertz up front, Jorginho in the middle of the park. The rest of it, pretty much as you'd expect. Yeah, it's, I thought. At, at the very worst, I thought we'll, we're good enough to get a draw when the game started. And when the game started, it literally, they did exactly the same as they did in the cup game with the two, with Odegaard and Havertz playing like two false nines. So like two number tens and left the two wingers high and wide. And it created an overload of midfield that we couldn't cope with. And for the entire half, we couldn't cope with it. It was wave after wave that were coming at us, and we couldn't break. We couldn't even when we had the ball, and they were allowing us to have the ball. They were in such a compact shape that we struggled to break through the lines and play through midfield. And as soon as McAllister would get the ball, he'd knock it back. Kanati would knock it back to Allison, and they tried to come out the other side. And within the first five minutes, you could tell, yeah, this is going to be a long day. It was um, it was the most frustrating first half that I've seen in a long time for us. Uh, the fact that I don't think, well, no, the fact we didn't have a shot on target mm-hmm. in the first half, and we ended the game with only one shot on target, tells you how well Arsenal were set up and how defensively solid they were, and we couldn't cope with building up through the thirds to, to push them into a position where we could sustain attacks. We never got into that position. And, you know, credit to Arsenal. They tried it in the in the cup game, and they were the better side in the first half, but we got away with the result in the end of it. But with the, in this time round, they got, they got the better of it. And, you know, like I said, top your hat to them, fair play. They, they've done us. Yeah, a great, great game plan. Great way to set the team up from Arteta. Uh, like you said, getting those extra numbers in midfield. Uh, they, they pointed it out at halftime, just to kind of jump ahead. The lack of Arsenal players in the box when they would get the ball out wide with either Martinelli or Saka would get their heads up and looked across the ball in. Yeah. And there was absolutely nobody stretching the line in the middle of the park because Odegaard and Havertz have both dropped deep into the midfield. And I, you're like, sacrificing one. You're sacrificing one area of the pitch to make sure that we couldn't play. Yeah. And like I said, 
in the cup, it didn't work for him. Today, it did. There will be plenty of games this season that they'll try that and it won't work because they they missed like there was a chance that Arsenal had early in the early in the first half. Saka whipped the ball across. I think it was their first chance. Whipped the ball across, and there was no one in the Havertz was there, but he was on his heels because he'd only just arrived into the box. So you're like a striker would be running, making that front post run. So it, it's it's almost a case of what's the more likely. It's more important for them to stay in the game and try to create a chance off the wings rather than give up the space in the middle of the park where we can build through and probably create more chances ourselves. So they just weighed up the odds and said, okay, we'll we'll block up the midfield, stop us playing, and then look to play, and play going the other way. So as soon as they go one up, that's the ultimate nightmare because it was bad enough at nil-nil for us to try play through the lines. But when you're one-nil down and you've got to try to force it, it makes it doubly hard because you make passes that you shouldn't be making and then you get done on the counter going the other way. You give up chances left, right and centre then. So, yeah, we could we 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 really struggle to cope with that. Yeah, uh, in the pre-match build-up, they pointed out that in our last three league games against Arsenal, they have scored within the first 10 minutes. So uh, we got to the 10-minute mark and I was like, Phew, all right, survived the first 10 minutes and all the fool me. But I mean, really, the first action of the game, Kev, VVD plays a long ball up to Gakpo and he wins the one-on-one battle under it and puts it through to Jada. And I was like, here we go. This is just like Chelsea, like right out of the traps. We're on top of them. We're going to put some pressure on them. And then that was pretty much it. Like it it got from the first 30 seconds onwards, it was kind of all downhill from there because they were pressing us so intelligently and so intensely from the front. We were having tough time building up. Anytime we'd get any amount of space with a bit of a line-breaking pass out from Allison or Van Dyke or somebody like that, where all of a sudden we passed by four of their players on the press, we'd stop, put our foot on the ball, turn around, and bring it back and allow them to drop back into their shape. Yeah. Uh, the one you yeah, were talking we, about we, now- we weren't anywhere near brave enough. I mean, I, I was listening to the commentary with Neville, and it was probably the one thing that he said throughout the half that we weren't brave enough on the ball in the middle of the park. Yeah. And the one time that you saw it was uh, McAllister got his got the ball in the six with his back to back to play, and he play, played a lovely inside pass into Joe Joe uh, no, no, sorry into Curtis Jones, and we bro- we went from there. That needed to happen a lot more. We weren't anywhere near as brave on the ball as what we we normally are. Even if you're outnumbered in the middle of the park, you if you're outnumbered there, you can take possession. And work it to where you have overloads. And one option was to go along with Virgil. And if that wasn't on, then you have to go through midfield, but you have to play it quickly, quickly. And we just didn't. There was no intensity in our passing at all. No bravery. You know, it was fear almost. We were, couldn't, we were suffocated. And the one, the other thing that we needed to do a lot more, because Joe Gomez was playing that inverted role where he was trying to come inside and Trent was staying staying wide. That's fine. I don't mind that. But if Trent is going to stay that that wide, you have to get him the ball. You have to get him involved. And we didn't feed him anywhere near as, as much as we needed to. The few times that we did, he whipped some decent crosses in, but it didn't happen anywhere near often enough. And he's, he, was, he didn't look right at all. 
You know, he he looked like he was way off the pace. You know, I was just was, um, I was just going to ask you about that, Kev, because uh, I mean, there's not much to be said in terms of Trent Alexander Arnold's game. They were obviously looking to exploit the long ball over the top to find that space behind him. I was I was blown away actually with how we went with Trent as the orthodox push up, keep the chalk on your boots, right back, and Gomez did. I think literally all of the inverting. I didn't see Trent drift into midfield once. Yeah, no, he didn't. The whole game. No, he didn't. And he was completely, completely isolated out there. We could not get him the ball. He had really few opportunities to get his head up and play those spraying passes that he is maybe the best in the entire world at playing from that position on the pitch. And then yeah. is rightly subbed off. And I think he hit the nail on the head. He did not look right to it. So uh, I guess before we go any further, we should say, obviously, massive condolences to Connor Bradley. It feels like Connor Bradley would have started this game because it doesn't yeah, look I think like Trent was right to start. I, yeah, I think he might have. Um, I mean, obviously, look, at the end of the day, this is a game of football and all that was at stake was, th- was three points. Yeah. At the end of the day, look, Connor Bradley, 20, 20 years of age, lost his father and unexpectedly, that pretty much trumps everything. And yeah. it's... I don't think it would have had any effect on anybody else in the squad, but it's. I don't think Trent would have would have been starting today, and judging on the sixty minutes that he was allowed to play, because you can tell nailed down that was a medical decision. He didn't look. He didn't look at the pace. Saying that, there was a bit in the first half. Martinelli got the afterburners on with Ibu, and he ran away from Kanate a bit. Uh, I thought, wow, that. That's rapid, and I don't care who your right back is. Martinelli is seriously quick, and he for a for the for the first half he was very very good, almost unplayable at times where he was chopping back in onto his right foot and moving the ball really quickly. I don't give a shit who your right back is; you can have the most defensive minded right back in the world. He was dusting everyone in sight because Kanate is no slouch no. by any stretch of the imagination, and. Yeah, he, he was very, very good. Easily Arsenal's best player today. But yeah, Trent didn't look on it. Didn't look at it. And it happens. You often get players with a uh, that have a layoff, that come back from injury, and it takes them a bit of time to get up to speed. Probably the worst game in the world to, to come into, to start back, is argu- against arguably one of the quickest players in the league and one of the most technically gifted on his day players in the league. And he had one of those games today. He has other games where he's absolute pony, but today he was good. And that's just not what you need. Yeah, no. And uh, I'm just going to kind of jump because this comment here I say from Sony brings me on to my biggest halftime thought, which was that our right side was completely, completely missing out of the game. And Sony says, have to be honest, I'm never confident with Gravenberg and Gakbo based on this season's form and Trent all on that right side. And I mean, it was... It was not good. That was it was really not good. I'm surprised that we didn't see Klopp shuffle that front line around because of the versatility of those three players and Diaz, Jada, and Gakpo to play basically all three of those positions across the front. Maybe not Diaz through the middle so much, but it was it was so ineffective on that right hand side. And the importance that Trent has, like it really feels like our hand was forced in terms of it because Trent was not at the races at all all day. Uh and I, I just, I really like that comment from Sony. So I wanted to give you a little bit of credit for yeah. that one because I, I agreed with that completely. Like 
Jones didn't cover himself in glory. Diaz on the left-hand side no, and Gomez playing left-back weren't good, but they were at least somewhat in the game. Like, Diaz always shows up for the ball, and I I don't know. Uh, Gakpo had one or two times where he almost got on the end of a decent through ball. McAllister in the 12th minute put one through to him, and he shot a little bit wide. Another one from Trent. He just couldn't get on to the end of. But other than that, Gakpo wasn't really in the game. Gravenberch was completely yeah. anonymous in the game and Trent was not affecting the game uh, the way that he should, but we get onto their goal. Uh, it's a great ball by Martin Odegaard that kind of switch half volley around the corner gets Kai Havertz in. He quite clearly beats the offside trap. Allison Becker coming out, doing Allison Becker things, a one-on-one save makes himself big ball bounces right to Bukayo Saka puts it into the empty net. And we survived the first, First 10 minutes only to get to the 13th minute uh, and concede yeah. a goal. Yeah, it, it was the the way that they were set up. That you had Van Dyke drifting in to try to chase the ball into the middle of the park. You had Kanate dropping back off because of Martinelli's pace. And right through the middle was a big gaping hole. And they exploited the hole. I mean, the first when I first saw it, I thought, it was, what are you doing dropping there? Hold the line. And as soon as he dropped, it just invited the pass. And you could, there's plenty of blame to go about. Do you blame Virgil for chasing the ball into midfield? Possibly. Kanate, do you blame for dropping because of Martinelli's pace? Almost certainly. But at the same time, Allison did pretty much all he could. He got a save on it. But... When they went one up, I don't think you could turn around and say you're hard done by by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I might not have seen that, that this performance coming from the side over the last four to six weeks, but from about the fifth minute onwards, you could see a goal coming. And it didn't matter how it was coming, whether it was going to be a shot from outside the box from 25 yards that curls into the top corner or a mistake. All goals are from mistakes, but this one was really, it was like, it was self-inflicted. It was a terrible line. It was no, no pressure on the ball, on the ball carrier and a big gaping hole for Arsenal to just stroll through. You can't give good sides, good players that much time and ability to pick passes and then give them the space to play them into that. It was just stupid. Every which way you look at it, it was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a ton to say about it uh, in terms of the goal. It was just poor team defense. Like nobody is, I don't think there's a single player that you can look at and go, that's on you. <laughs> we'll have those, we'll have those to talk about. But that that one felt like they took the blame and they split it very evenly amongst everybody involved in the defense. And then we restart after their goal, and immediately Virgil van Dyke gives the ball away. Uh, he has to make a last-disc tackle on an Odegaard shot. A couple minutes later, Van Dyke has to make a huge block again in our box after Trent gives the ball away. And, I mean, they were just they were just coming for us. Shortly thereafter, Joe Gomez picks up the game's first yellow card when McAllister's, McAllister's just too casual on the ball in the middle of the field. Uh, and then, yeah, 31 minutes. Ben White, yellow card for time-wasting, which is a common theme that we would see throughout the rest of the game. Just before, just as we go into the uh, at a time in the first half, uh, Trent gets on the end of a ball that's clipped in. It looks like, I think it was Havertz at the back post, looked like he was going to be there to nod at home. That was that was a big positive for Trent. 
He, he was switched on when Arsenal, with the ball kind of broke to them, there's a bit of a scramble around our box. The ball gets chipped back in towards the back post. He's there with his head screwed on, paying attention, heads the ball away. And then Allison picks the ball up shortly thereafter, launches it down the field, absolutely launches it down the field. Luis Diaz does fantastic work holding off William Saliba, who is a fantastic defender, one of the best in the Premier League. Luis Diaz bullies him with strength. Ball gets laid off to Gravenberch. Gravenberch sends Declan Rice to the to the shop for a paper. He's nowhere to be seen. Gravenberch gets his head up, chips the ball in, and the threat is completely gone because Saliba gets body position on Diaz in the box. And then the theme for the rest of the show begins in the uh, third minute of added time in the first half, Kev, which is defensive errors because that was calamitous, and it really yeah. felt like that was the break that we needed after a dreadful first half with basically the last touch of the ball of the first half to go in level was way more than we deserved. And it was like, all right, get them in at halftime. We won't do this again and come out. But I mean, their goal was like the goal that we scored, the <laughs> Gabriel Magalas's uh, own goal. That's not great. No, it was poor. Um, it would have been interesting if the ball didn't go in. Would he have given a penalty? Wonder, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. But the way that Taylor refereed the game today, it was hard to judge what he'd have done because sometimes he was letting stuff go, other times he was being pernickety. It was hard to judge him how he how he was going. So imagine what it would have been like for the players to let that to dog. see how to yeah, gotta let the dog out. Look, at the end of the day, I love doing the shows and all that, but. He's looking at that back door, and I know what's coming. So he's going. <laughs> yeah, it's but, uh, no, we, look, we, are, we already saw enough mess uh, on the pitch from Liverpool. We don't need to see yeah. one in your sitting room there either. It was it was one of those that I was sat there after Trent cleared that ball. Just get the half time. Just get to, we're one 0 down. Get the half time. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we can you know try and get into it, get into the lads and see what happens in the second half. Don't concede a second, whatever you do. Don't go two down. And then we get a, a fluke. We get, we get something that we absolutely don't deserve, and we got a reprieve. And you're going in at 1-1, and it was like a big sigh of relief. It was like, oh, thank God for that. You know, the wor- at, for how bad we were, we, won't, we can't be that bad again in the second half. And you get in 1-1, and you... I honestly expected to see changes at halftime. I expected to see at least one. I I was hoping to see Darwin coming on because you have to have a threat of someone being able to go in behind if you're looking to play that ball over the top. If you're looking to play that ball over the top and you're looking at, I mean, with the best will in the world, Diogo Jota and Cody Gakpo aren't running away from people. Luis Diaz might, but the other two aren't going to be running away, running away from anybody. So, just to have that threat like Arsenal had with Martinelli, having that threat of someone who can go in behind makes them maybe drop back five yards or take more less risk in certain areas and you can pre- put pressure on. But no, there was no change at halftime. Uh, you, they come out and we start a second half a little bit better. There was a bit more intensity, a bit more oomph about us for 10 minutes, minutes, you know, but it was 10 minutes of me, you know, yeah, we're we're putting a shift in, we're trying a bit, Mm -hmm. 
And then it was just they got the grips with what they wanted to do again. We couldn't impose ourselves on them and force them into making mistakes or force them into retreating. And eventually, you know, it it the pressure just the pressure just told, uh, and it was it was careless sloppiness, stupidity, risk for when there's no risk needed. Take your pick, but for how bad we were playing to still be at one-one after making all the changes on sixty-five minutes, and you're thinking, okay, twenty-five minutes to go, anything can happen. It could go either way at the end of the day. But you know what I mean. What, what yeah. do you say? I mean, well, I welcomes mean- over the. T- Go on, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think all that we can say for the second half is just kind of lobbing blame at people. Like, I see a lot of people in the chat. Everybody has a tendency after a loss, and especially after a loss where you play so poorly, to go a little bit over the top. Just rein it in, people. We still have our destiny in our own hands. If we win out, we win the league. And that at this point in the season is the best that you can absolutely hope for is to be in control of your own destiny. If you win your games, you win the league. If you're chasing city down by eight or 10 points or something like that with 12, 15 games to go, that is a way more difficult situation to be in than what we currently are, which is sitting at the top. Yeah. There's Chris Golding. It's the end of the world, Matt. That's, that's the type of attitude that I just, I can't wrap my head around. You that'd make a great song. That, that'd make a great, that would make a great song. Yes, I'm not saying it. <laughs> as we know it, as we know it, Goldie, it is the end of the world. And I, but I mean, for as bad as things seem after that performance, especially again, because I'll say it, it was it was so buoyant after the Chelsea match, Kev. Like we were so good, mm. just putting Chelsea to the sword. As it turns out, from today's game against Wolves, that might be because Chelsea are shit. So you go from <laughs> you go from that high of high of demolishing yeah. Chelsea. You go away to the Emirates. You kind of get your pants pulled down. Things things are bad. So as Liverpool fans, just calm down because things could be worse. There are people that have it worse off than you, which brings me on to our charity partners. We here at the Talking Cop, we always have a charity that we're trying to raise money for. You know of it in the past. We've had things with little kids needing operations and stuff like that. We've helped raise tons and tons of money for thanks to you, our fans, sharing and donating. This year, our two charity partners are the Lighthouse Cafe in Dublin City Centre and the Fan Supporting Food Banks in Liverpool. Both very, very key organizations helping out people that are absolutely having the worst possible luck out of all of it. You know, you think you feel bad after losing away at the Emirates 3-1. If you're needing to rely on a food bank, they've got a little bit worse than you. So we're asking that you help us. Raise some money for these people. We're trying to raise 10,000 euros. We're going to split anything and everything that we raise 50-50 down the middle and share it between those two organizations. Obviously, the channel based out of Dublin. So the Lighthouse in Dublin, close to the hearts of the Irish lads. And we are a Liverpool channel, so fans supporting food banks out of Liverpool. So that's there. If you can donate 5, 10 euros every so often, you'll help get us to that 10,000 euro marker. Put it into your social media. Share the news along with everybody like that. We'll get the word out there. We'll hit our target. You know we're going to hit our target. You know that Gav will not let this channel not hit their fundraising target. They always do. So there we go. All is well and good. And if you're here and you're watching, we appreciate you coming in. 
even if there's some opposition fans in here for a little bit of a giggle, welcome to the channel. Hit the thumbs up button. We're trying to be somewhat measured about it because not everything is in fact lost, Kevin. Coming out at the end of the second half or at, at the end of the halftime interval, it did it looked great. You know, we had a couple of chances in the first few minutes, but our shooting was poor. Somebody had said this here, and I think we've uh, I've moved on way past it. But somebody pointed out that our shooting was extremely poor today, and I'm not sure what we ended up with. One, two shots on target. One, one, one. one. I think we had a we had a total of ten shots. One on target. It's probably one of our worst performances, not just in our build-up play and anything, everything like that, but our worst return for efforts on goal in 90 minutes that I could, that this season that I can remember anyway. But like I said at the start, it's football. It happens. You know, at the end of the day, it's not EA24. It's not... Call it FIFA, you know, Kev. A, Bullshit that EA24. It's FIFA 24. Yeah. yeah, and it's not a video game. It's real life, and it just happens. It, I'd be more worried. I'm more interested in what happens next. I was watching a show going back a while with Phil. Phil was on and he was dead right. It was he pointed it out and he was the more it was the most poignant um comment that he made on the night. If Liverpool go on to win the league, it's not the games against the Arsenals and the Man Cities that'll define who wins this season, who wins the league this season. It's the games against the Lutons, the West Ham's, the Fulham's, the Everton's, you know, the size that you're expected to beat will be what determines uh, where the title goes this season. I still believe it won't be a points total above 90 points to win this title. Um, I just, even with how bad we were today, there are still faults in that Arsenal side that you could see that were they've they do have issues and they've got they've coupled their issues after picking up an injury to um Saka today they still have problem they'll still have problems scoring goals without a proper number 9 i don't think they can i don't think arsenal are the ones who are going to be challenging us at the challenging at the top of the table come may whether we will or not i don't know but at the end of the day i'd be more worried if we drop 3 points in our next game yeah or Burnley. even drop two points in our next game, then I would be if we drop three, you know, having dropped three points away at Arsenal. Losing the game at Arsenal happens, and more, a lot, you know, it'll happen to a fair few top sides. Uh, Man City lost there as well this season, but at the end of the day, we're still top of the table, and that's our second loss this season in the league. Yeah. So, and I don't think we've lost a game in the league this season with 11 players at the end of the game. <laughs> Weird. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, we did, in fact, end up picking up our fifth red card of the season, which feels like almost an entire clop's worth of red cards yeah. in 23 games. Uh, no Bowler argument was, about it, though. Yeah, No Chris argument was, about it. Good point from Chris uh, here. It says, once Arsenal turn up against City, we're still in the driving seat. So that's something else you have to remember. Like, let Arsenal continue to have the wind beneath their wings after this. Uh, I don't watch any of the post-game stuff. I turn it off immediately after the final whistle and get ready to come on and do a show. But it yeah. sounds like they had another trophy presentation for uh, for winning the league. I, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, I'm okay with Arsenal challenging because at the start of the season, my predicted top four finish was Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Aston Villa. And 
the fact that I am still in with a shout of that being the final four at the end of the year at this stage in the season, I'm feeling fantastic about that. Modern day Nostradamus yeah. stuff. Uh, not much really happens. Uh, we get another, what, who got a red card? Oh yeah, Gabrielle gets a uh, yellow card on 56 minutes just before we bring on a triple substitution of Darwin, uh, questionable foot Nunez, Andy Robertson, and Harvey Elliott. Gakpo goes off, Trent goes off, so Gomez moves over to right back, Robertson obviously in at left back, grabbing Birch off for Harvey Elliott. Uh, all three of those had poor games. I mean, that's that yeah, entire right-hand side that, I was, that I was talking about. That at halftime, I was going, boy, our right-hand side looks terrible. And less than 15 minutes into the second half, the entire right-hand side of our team has changed completely because they weren't really any better uh, in the second half going in. There was a few moments where we looked like it looked like Diogo Jota was trying to get into the game. He was dropping deep and showing for the ball, picking it up and kind of driving from the halfway line to, you know, five, 10 yards outside of the Arsenal box before he eventually lost the ball or was shut down. Kiwi or ends up taking a yellow card. And then on the 66th minute, I'm just going to quote off of my notes here. What the fuck was that? Kev. Any any explanations for what happened for Arsenal's second goal? Because all season we've done these shows and we've done nothing, nothing but sing the praises mm. of our leaders at the back. Two of the four people in our core leadership group on the team, the guys that have been there, done it, won all the trophies, Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk conspire to give Gabriel Martinelli the easiest goal he will ever score. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, once Virgil decides to let it bounce, for me, Virgil has to deal with it. You can't... I know what he said after the game. He was like, I tried to make myself big. I saw Alisson come in. So Alisson was going to clear it. Don't. At the end of the day, if you're going to let the ball bounce over your shoulder, deal with it. At the same time, Martinelli was very clever. He got just about enough of a nudge to push Van Dijk into Alisson's path where Allison was trying to clear it and all hell, all kinds of confusion. And, you know, he comes away with the ball, tap it, taps it in. And the way the game was going, you're like, it was typical. It was, I mean, they, you can't argue that Arsenal didn't deserve to be in the lead, even at that stage. But the way the goals were going in, there was not just basic little errors. They were calamitous. That was a calamitous error. And what are you going to do? Uh, it's poor communication. It's You can label it whatever you like, but it's basic of being a centre-back. If you let the ball bounce, you deal with it. And that's basic one-on-one defending. And don't wait for someone else to clean up your mess. Alison, if you're going to come, you clean out Van Dyke, you clean out Martinelli, and you clean out the kitchen lady. And you do the whole lot. And you launch it into the middle of Rosette. And he did neither. And the end result was Martinelli comes away with the ball and taps it in 2-1. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm just going to go a little bit off script here just to address it because, Nigel, you just keep coming back in with it. You say both players are unhappy due to the uncertainty caused by Jurgen and Pep Linders. What should we expect? Oh, will you grow you say- were you saying this after the last two games? So this is game three of the Jurgen Klopp and co farewell tour in the first two games. We absolutely smashed players. So what were you saying then, Nigel? Like, it's just such 
an empty-headed comment to make. And I was going to let it go because you put it in three or four times, but you keep coming back. Apparently, I'm as dumb as a fish. I've bit on your hook. Here it is. You get the engagement that you wanted, but you're in here all the time. Like, I don't understand why you're creating this narrative that all of a sudden, oh, oh, the players now just realize that the, the coach and his staff is leaving at the end of the season. And that's the reason for it. It's just an error from Allison is something that happens at least once a year. At least once a year, we we do a game. We did. I'm not. I'm not patronizing you, Nigel. You're just like you're. You're acting like a child. So I guess you're being spoken to by one, by one or like one. So I guess that's patronizing. I guess like I don't know. Grow up, dude. You're like you're creating things for absolutely nothing. But at least it seems at least once a season we have a moment where we go, "Wow, Allison, you know he's the best goalkeeper in the world, and he saves us m- way more points than he costs us." But that one's on him, and it did, it did feel like that one was on him. I guess we'll give the blame maybe mostly to Virgil on this one because, like you said, just just kick it out. And it's something that I noticed that Virgil, because he was doing this last season. Virgil was doing this sort of thing last season of trying to be too cute, trying to be too clever, as opposed to just kick the ball out for a throw-in. And in the in the yeah. first 22 games of the season, he was great at that. Going in, it's a 50-50. You don't think you're going to win? Just boot it out. If it's a 55-45 and you're going to win it, be the stronger man, be the better player on the pitch, use your intelligence and your nous, win the ball back and we recycle and we go again. But if you don't know for a fact you're going to win it, just kick the ball out for a throw in, reset the team. And yeah, just an absolute brain fart. And The biggest kick in the teeth for that goal was the fact that we'd made our changes and I honestly looked at it I thought, I don't know where we're going to get a goal from. And the one good thing, I suppose, that we were getting, we were getting set pieces. We were getting corners. And I thought, this is the one day when you're playing shit and it's not going your way. You need your set pieces to work. You need a corner delivery to work. And we were getting in the spot to put corners in. And they just they were just either poor deliveries or weren't getting runners on to the end of it. Take your pick. Didn't do enough. And that's what you need your set piece to work if the rest of it isn't working. Do you get me? So mm. I was, yeah, I, mean, I was, once we were two, one down, I was worried then because I thought, I don't know where a goal is going to come from because we just didn't look like we were going to score. Genuinely. We didn't look like we were going to score a goal. Uh, um, sorry. Rory pointing out that he hasn't seen me this antagonized since Gav said Die Hard was a Christmas movie. And I volleyed it back with a home alone breakdown. I appreciate you remembering, uh, la- not even this past Christmas is the Christmas of, 2022's diehard home alone uh blowout extravaganza because that that was well and good fun yeah it's, it's not a it's not a christmas movie diehard is not a christmas movie it's as, it's as simple as that uh, uh yeah. we we did only have two corners after it went to one they were both robertson in swingers they were both quite poor uh the first one 76 minutes i i had it like it's honestly again it's like you read my notes kev i put corner to liverpool a virgil goal would be nice you know, after that error to let them go two one yeah. up, you want to see you know just a magic moment like that because we're Liverpool, yeah. right? You know, we it, like we, we find a way. We find a way. Footballing miracles yeah. happen on a weekly basis. It's, nah, it just it just never looked like it today. Genuinely, it it was. It, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we had one, two, three, four, five, six efforts inside the box, but. One, I suppose, 
from a position where you'd expect to do something better. But in general, it was we just never looked like scoring today. And you can have those games, but that's the kind of game that you need a corner delivery to go in and you need a centre-back to stick their nut on it and just drill one in and get you back in the game and get out of it with a point. And, you know, yeah, they got a late one. But at the end of the day, at that, at that stage, we were down to 10 and we were chasing ourselves, trying to get back into it. And I don't care about losing the third goal because I'd rather concede a third trying to get a second to get it back to a draw than to just play the way we were playing in the hope of not conceding one and you might get something on a break. I'd want to risk it and concede a third than, you know, do nothing and concede a fourth. But I ask you, any complaints about the Ibukanate bookings? I mean, the only complaint I would have would be him forgetting that he was already on a yellow card. Like, it's a bit soft, but you've seen that be given as a yellow card yeah, pretty consistently. It's for the inconsistent uh, PGMOL, they've been fairly consistent with that of, yeah, there's players back. It's not like he was, you know, stopping a breakaway or anything like that, but it was, yeah. It, it was it a was bit was too the, blatant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the same. It's the same sort of feeling that I got after Jada's second yellow against Spurs of like, well, you just, you can't do that. If you're not on a yellow yeah. card, great. I'm cheering that. I'm putting a big star beside it going, good foul to take, good foul to take. And as soon as you're on that yellow card, you just you just can't do it anymore. But I mean, it, yeah. consistency the one that is did, consistency the one that thing that, Yeah, there's one thing that did frustrate me was Darwin Nunes got booked. And Darwin got booked for exactly the same foul that was committed on him as what Ibu Kanate got sent off for. I have no problem with Kanate's second booking. I think he was... Good forward play by Reese Nelson. He turned back into him and he forced the foul. He knew the position he was on the pitch. He knew he didn't have the legs to get away from anyone. He bought the foul and hoped. And he got one. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything much that Kanate could have done there. Even if he'd have stood still, I think he would have engineered contact in a way that he was gonna go, he was gonna take the foul. But Darwin getting booked for his reaction. To what was a blatant foul after you just booked a Liverpool player and sent him off for almost an identical foul in a very similar part of the pitch. Darwin was spinning off into the back and he was gone. And Gabriel wasn't catching him. Saliba wasn't catching him. He was gone. He was going to have a chance. And that was a 2-1. But Gabriel, it was a, he, he just got away with it. And Anthony yeah. Taylor just he got away with it, you know. Yeah, it's it's a stone Could, Should Darwin stone have reacted? Text, yeah, should Darwin have reacted? No. Do I completely understand the reaction? hundred percent. I mean, I considering had the same reaction, he didn't headbutt exactly a guy. The same reaction. Yeah, he didn't headbutt a guy. So this is an improvement. Well, no, Darwin, there was a headlock because... on someone earlier on, and a hip toss on someone earlier on. I mean, there's there's letting the game flow, and then there's get Bret Hart getting someone into a headlock, and then hip tossing him over over your shoulder. And dropping him on the ground and saying, yeah, go on, play away, lads, Grant. Because that yeah. happened as well. But had absolutely no bearing on the result, had absolutely no bearing on anything. But there's a frustration with, if you're going to give a foul, give a foul, but be consistent when you give it both ways. So I understand the fact that Darwin got a book in, why he got a book in, 
that's good. Normal, it's a normal booking this season. But that reaction was brought on by what was a blatant foul that wasn't given in a really dangerous position that we could have been on a break. And he just didn't give it. I'm like, how? Even the dope that Sky had on the referee, Mike Dean, yeah, it's as blatant a foul as you see. Yeah. And I, shit. I, I, I was just like, if Mike Dean is saying it's a blatant foul, then, you know, it's like, that's a six-month sentence in that for someone. You know what I mean? You really got to be going some for him to say it's a blatant foul. Yeah. But again, at the end of the day, I like I said, the 92nd minute, Trossard got, got his goal. Good finish. Deflection took Allison out of the game. Went through his legs. Aye, he's um, got to do better, though, Kev. If that's Quivian Kelleher, we are slaughtering him for not saving that and going, Allison yeah. saves that 10 times out of 10. He's just got to save I know. Yeah, he should. He should do better. But I think once the, once the shot is deflected, and I does people will say that Van Dyke should have got that. He got a deflection on it. Yeah. He was literally point two of a second away from a block. You know, what more? You know, he he got his foot on it. It deflected in. And is it a fair reflection on the game? Yeah, probably is. I think three one. If you looked at the scoreline. And the performance, and not the goals. You say, yeah, three one, fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with it. Genuinely, it's just one of them. Yeah, but it's um, more important now. The reaction next weekend. The reaction next weekend has to be a hundred percent right, and they've got a week. I think this is going to be the last week. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. This is the last full week that we have preparing for a game now hopefully for a while yeah you know and i think a reset and a go again isn't the worst thing in the world that could happen um when you look at the whole lot in the round if you'd have taken january fixtures and points totals as we had that's an excellent. I'd January. say you undefeated. I'd say you. I'd say, in all honesty, given the Jan- some of the Januarys that we've had, I think we were probably ahead of where we thought we would be. But like I said, you go into the Emirates and you lose. It's not the end of the world. I, I never thought playing about against it like Burnley. We've had playing against Burnley next weekend. Yeah. yeah, play against Burnley next weekend, and not getting three points. That's big, big problems. Yeah, that's this game next weekend against Burnley is huge. Yeah, that's yeah. Eunice says go smash Burnley. Ashley L says R.I.P. Burnley, and it has to be because if we if we be. if we don't go out and get all three points at the absolute minimum, but put a performance in against Burnley next Saturday, that's when you can start bringing up the question marks because this is one game, and off the back of, I, I hadn't thought about it. We have had some absolutely dreadful Januarys. The first January when Mo and Mane went to the Afcon under Jurgen was terrible or that might've been, there might've been one where just Mane went in the COVID season in January, where we couldn't win a game at home. We couldn't even draw a game at home last January games against Brentford. where we played wolves, I think nine times in eight days or something and Brighton every other day in the month of January. So we had a perfect January this year. This is a bit of a stumbling block block in the road. Arsenal are not terrible. Uh, Ashley all points out Arsenal's uh, expected goals of 3.52 XG is the most Liverpool have ever faced in a Premier League game. 
we were dreadful. And I know that the boss man on this show is not the biggest fan of advanced analytics and stats like XG, but I do believe that says something because if you look at the flip side of that, what is our highest ever XG that we've racked up? It was in that game against Newcastle when we were untouchable in that game. But uh, my favorite time of the Seven point something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was one of the highest ones ever recorded. Uh, My favorite part of the show, Ashley L uh, passing along the post-match quotes and these should be doozies. So we have Virgil van Dyke talking after the match says eventually a very tough day. I think the two one, I take full responsibility for that. It's a big turning point. I should have done better. It hurts for me. It hurts for the team. Goes on to say we were very dominant, especially in the second half. Turning point was my responsibility. I should try and clear it. I make the split second wrong decision. These things happen in football, but it doesn't take away that it hurts. These things don't happen too often in my career, but it is a tough one. I take full responsibility for it. He goes on to say, on the highest level, it is a split second. I choose to let the ball bounce, try to put my body in between. I think Allison touched me a little bit and he couldn't clear. Our first defeat since September, obviously it hurts. Losing hurts, especially the way we did it. In so many ways, it was unnecessary, but we take it game by game. It hurts for me seeing all the fans coming the whole way down. It is not nice to be involved in mistakes. I will work hard. I will be back. There's no doubt about that. I will make these things don't happen anymore beginning on Saturday. That's that's good leadership, Kev. Fronting up, you know, that's not that's you know immediately after the match of being like, I'm being asked to go and have a microphone put in my face, and they're gonna ask me about my mistake. So that's that's leadership to me, is putting your hand up and going, Hey, that's on that's on me. No, no, but in fairness, what the hell can he say? You know, at the end of the day, the, the fact he turned around and his second comment, he says, we were in control. No, we fucking weren't, mate. Let's be, let's be honest about it. Yeah, um, up, until, up until their goal, he says yeah. in the second half, and up until their goal, we were on top in yeah. the second half. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't really. We were, it was one of, it felt like we were allowed to have the ball in certain areas as long as we didn't threaten them in any way, shape or form. And I don't think that's control. Um, I think they kept us at, at arm's length for a good while. Yes, he, he was right to own it. It is his fault, ultimately. Allison shouldn't be there, but when he gets there, he has to clear everyone in the kitchen sink. But at the end of the day, he will, between now and the end of the season, win us points a lot more than he'll drop us points. And, you know, it's the one thing I suppose you can look at Virgil and say, yeah, he will dust this off quick. You know, he, he this won't rest in his head. And the next next Saturday can't come around quick enough for those senior players because ultimately it was the senior players who didn't show up. And people try to hang out the likes of Curtis Jones, the likes of Harvey Elliott, Ryan Gravenberg. They've been in first team squad for the for last point, you know, for five minutes. You need your senior players to get a grip of the ball and dictate how the game goes, and they didn't today. They weren't allowed to. And you just have to fucking take it on the chin and move on. There's no point in fucking dwelling on it, over over dwelling on it. It is what it is. Well, I mean, you mentioned Curtis Jones, and I mean, we've got breaking news here from ITK Wizard that says, that match may have players calling up Arsenal and players changing their mind. That's the danger of these results. You're always playing for your future everybody just take a breath and relax everybody take a breath and relax that game sucked 
The performance was awful. The result was not what we were wanting or hoping for, but there is still plenty to play for. And like I said, we have everything in our hands still. We still control our own destiny. That's the most important thing. Uh, just a few words from Klopp. He says, in general, it was not our day. We can really admit that Arsenal deserved three points, even when circumstances were a bit strange. We didn't play enough from the start. No kidding. We struggled a little bit. No kidding. We weren't calm enough. No kidding. We had possession. We just didn't have the finishes. No kidding. And on uh, Nunez not starting, if that was an issue for Liverpool, he said, maybe that was not our problem. And then on the red card, he said, Gabriel is doing the same thing to Nunez. No yellow card. So just, yeah. I mean, that's how clear and obvious the issues were, was that there can be no masquerading it by either the manager or any of the players facing up to the media after the no. game. It was piss poor from Liverpool start to finish, which brings me on to the $64 million question, Kev. Pick me a Liverpool man of the match. No. <laughs> No, no, I won't. Um, Not even Tiago well, for just appearing? Good God, no. He gave a ball away in the first 30 seconds it of being on the pitch. Like, shocking, oh, shocking. Oh, yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ, no. Um, look, the best of a bad lot, and I mean the best of a bad lot, was probably McAllister only for a couple of incisive passes that he made in the first half. In general, to a man, they were all poor. They all had. There's so much collective blame Bad. to go around that you can't turn around and say, "Yeah, yeah, you were the you were the best worst piece of shit that was on the pitch today." It's, what's the point? They were all fucking bad. I mean, you're it, it. You have to just fucking own it, take it on the chin, and move on. It happens in football. It, like I said, the most important game is next Saturday against Burnley and how we react to that and get back on another run. It's all well and good. We'll lose. Uh, I reckon we'll lose more games this season as well, but it's how you react after it. And if you don't react in the right way, then we will be out of uh, a title race. But I don't like that. Talk. that if, we do, if, if we do react to it in the right way, then it's up to us. Like you said, and you were dead right in what you said. It's everything, our destiny is still in our own hands. And we have, it's not just the Man City coming to Anfield. That game will take care of itself. It's the rest of the games. We have enough games between now, it's the 4th of February. It's my daughter's birthday today. So I actually legged it, I legged it, legged it back home for my daughter's birthday today to watch the game, to come on the post-match show. And I'm like, I just want cans now. I just want to get on the drink and watch the lads' reaction to it at 10 o'clock. But what can you do? Yeah. I mean, how how was that lunch? You put a picture of it into the Telegram. That oh, was man, amazing. it was... Oh, Guinness was nice. Yeah. It was a lamb shank. I, well, my daughter had a lamb shank with mashed potatoes. That looked the bomb. I had... It was a, it was a homemade burger with bacon, mushrooms, onion, salad, fries... Uh, I had chicken wing starter with barbecue sauce. Ooh, it was a cheat day today, wasn't it? It was a cheat today day. Today was a cheat day. <laughs> I've been saving this cheat day all of January. And I'm capping it off now. My missus has just gone to pick the other two up from work. And they're stopping in the chipper on the way home. And I'm having chip butties with some nice brown sauce. And sit down and watch as call the midwife at 8 o'clock. And have a few cans and put my feet up and watch Gav, Johnny, Emmett, and Keith dissect this again at 10 o'clock. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's what we're here for. This is the Sunday routine when the Reds play on a Sunday, which when you're in the Europa League is more often than it's not. Uh, you get the post-match reaction immediately following the show, and then you get Gav and the lads coming on at 10 p.m. on a Sunday evening to kind of wrap the whole weekend up. Uh, obviously, we still have Man City away at Brentford to go tomorrow to finish off this game week. And here's fingers crossed that Ivan Tony can pull something out. I mean, they beat him twice they last, year, so. him last year. Yeah, I know. And yeah, they won't be afraid. Brentford won't be afraid of Man City either, especially this version of Man City. But they you know? do I mean, have as... to be clever, though, Kev, because Brentford is in a dangerously low spot yeah. on that table. Bre yeah, Brentford aren't as good as what they were 12 months ago either. But look, Man City have to go and get the points. Sure so it's, on paper, on paper, at the end of the day, yeah, Man City win every game from now until eternity because. That's what they're expected to do. But football isn't played on paper, as we saw today. Yep. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, if football is played on paper, it is the Fantasy Premier League, which is the stupidest game ever created. I hate fantasy football so, so much. Uh, the fact that pretty much everybody in my little friends league has Gabrielle, and instead of him getting a second yellow and a red card, Darwin Nunes, who I'm the only person that has, ends up with the yellow card, just fully put a bow on today for me but uh yeah i mean you've got uh just over two hours two and a quarter hours until the lads are back on tonight with the sunday night show we thank everybody for joining us i apologize to nigel if i hurt his feelings for bringing up one of his comments and disagreeing with it i think we may have lost a sub tonight and for that i apologize to the wider no, talking one thing community. i'll say one no listen one thing i'll say right matt will come on and give his opinion about what he sees in the game i'll come on Gav, Chris, Shawnee, everyone. We'll all come on and we'll give our opinions on what we see. People in the chat might will see different things, rightly so. And at the end of the day, we all have different opinions. No problem. Put up, you, we put up comments and we challenge the comments. But if someone puts up a comment that is absolutely, completely outrageous, ridiculous, expect to be called out on it because at the end of the day, we wouldn't be doing it right if we just let things go. Like, if, if utter nonsense was allowed to just be spouted, people can support Liverpool however the hell they want. And they're perfectly entitled to believe whatever they believe. And if Nigel 100% believes that Alisson and Virgil fucked up because of uncertainty over Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders, perfectly entitled to believe. I think it's the biggest mode of nonsense you'll ever see in your life. But at the end of the day, We'll dis we'll agree to disagree and we'll move on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, I at the end of the day, for, it's a, it's a, it's an opinion. Not everyone is going to agree with every comment that comes in here, and nor would anyone expect us to. And you know, at the end of the day, we I'll put I'll say whatever I think I see, and if I'm wrong, I hold my hand. And I have done this season. I'll put up my hands and say if I'm wrong, but. At the end of the day, I was told I was wrong in 1987, and I question that decision, to be honest, to this day. I don't believe it. <laughs> now, look, at the end of the day, everyone in the chat is almost is always respectful and always appreciative of the stuff that we put out, and we love putting it out. But at the end of the day, we'll agree to disagree and move on. People are free to like, comment, subscribe, share, do whatever. There's no gun to anyone's head. If people like the content that we put out, please hit the like button. Please subscribe. It does help the channel out a lot. But don't expect people on this side of the microphone to agree with every single opinion that goes in the chat. If we did, it would be an echo chamber, and nobody likes that.
Nobody wants an echo chamber. Nobody wants an echo chamber. Nobody wants Fuck an off. echo chamber. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think uh, Rory Fitzgerald absolutely hit the nail on the head with his comment here. He says, sounds like you're having a great day, Kev. Lap it up with the family and the football will sort itself out. And I mean, that <laughs> goes that goes to uh, obviously the, the thoughts we all have for Connor Bradley and the, the tragedy his family's had. There are certain things that are more important than football. Exactly. But the flip side of that is, where did it go now? Thor to dyslexic polyglot. Shawnee battle cry at 10 p.m. tonight. They're very well might be. Coming on. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Mr. Lawson, but it just feels like the sort of time where you need to kind of circle up some wagons. We still have our destiny in our own hands. We went out, 96 points, now wins the league. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Please, if you can, help donate to our charity partners. You know you'll always find the link in the description, whether it's on YouTube, on your podcast, or in the Talking Cop social media on whatever platform that is on. You'll find the link to that GoFundMe trying to raise our 10K for the Lighthouse for fan supporting food banks. We also have our memberships open. You're going to get 20, 25 shows a month. Some of those members only live on YouTube. Those are the absolute crack. I believe I'm using that word correctly, Kev. Correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. But very, no, no, no. Very well done. Very well done. Yeah. You're getting well, acclimatized. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a very big week ahead of me because as far as I know, I am a guest on this week's episode of The Greatest, which is our new member series we have going on. Uh, hosted by Phil, talking about trying to figure out who is the greatest sports person of all time. Uh, it's uh, Emmett and Gav on the show with Phil, and I believe I'm up on deck for this week's episode to talk about some of the American sports and uh, to say yeah, I'm a the little... Correct, the correct answer is Larry Bird. It's just it's just not, Kev. It's just not. You can tell that Kev lived in the northeast of the United States in and around the time that Larry Bird was playing basketball. I'm just going to leave it as that. <laughs> the other thing I'll ask, hit the thumbs up button, rate it five stars on all your podcast apps, all that good stuff. You guys know how this all works. Uh, yeah, that was a good enough hour, I think, for me, Kev. Anything else before we yeah. go? No, listen, uh, everyone in the chat, thank you all very much for staying with us and contributing to the chat. It does, we might not put all the comments up, but they do get read. So really appreciate everyone. And look, at the end of the day, it's three points dropped. The sky hasn't fallen in. We'll be back doing this again next Saturday, and we'll go again. Yep, absolutely. We've got what is becoming a rare Saturday match for us. Uh, we're on the 3 o'clock, I think. 3 p.m., man. 3 p.m. Saturday. Good luck watching that one, legally, you Europeans. <laughs> I get to watch all the games. I but I, I know we can... To, I listen to the games on the radio, and mm -hmm. I then comment on what I hear on the radio from, the, from my mind's eye after the game. That's how it should about. be done. And I mean, in absolutely. a perfect... In a perfect world, Kev, everybody would get to watch every game, and every game would have a feed of Gavin Emmett from the Cinema Pongol Pergola doing the watch-along, because I think after a couple of times having that joy in our life, all of us here on The Talking Cop have come to the conclusion that I would rather have Gavin Emmett commenting on any game as opposed to any of the pairings of shit that they throw out to commentate on these games, because they are getting quite, quite annoying after a while. But that's enough from us. It finished at the Emirates, Arsenal 3, Liverpool 1. It was very, very poor. But if you look at the table, Liverpool are still sitting at the very, very tippy top. So tune back in two hours and 10 minutes. You're going to catch the Sunday night show from the Talking Cup. But that's been Kev. I've been Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you after the Burnley game next weekend. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network.